0: Jesus is precious, but he's also mighty. Seems like an oxymoron, but it's not. He's mighty and he's precious and he's looking for the mighty ones in the earth. Did you know that you're a mighty one? I don't know if you know this or not, but you are a a prophecy that has come to pass. You are a prophecy that has come to pass. I want to read you about yourself. And so there shall rise the mighty ones, those called of God, separated unto him, and they shall make intercession, and the light shall shine and drive back the darkness, the evil and wicked men shall fall. And it goes on and on about what's going to happen. This was a prophecy that Brother Hagan gave in 1987. It actually talks about what just happened in November. If you would like to have a copy of this, you can see Jerry afterwards, she'll get you a copy. But you are a mighty one. He's looking for mighty ones in the earth that are going to rise up and be strong, not be afraid, not be intimidated, not hide and not cower and go forth and be the church. This building isn't the church. It's just a building. It's a place for us to meet, praise God, where we can be out of the elements. But if there's no people in here, this building just sits here. You're the church. You're the one that God uses. When Jesus left this earth, he he sent his Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit live? He lives in you. He lives in me. He's not just floating on the earth. It's not like Casper the ghost. The Holy Spirit has to have a house to live in. He's got to have a voice to use. He's got to have hands and feet. And that would be us. Isn't that marvelous? Oh, my goodness. Jesus was so precious. Knowing how we would be to say, I'm going to send the Spirit of the living God to abide in you. Knowing the pasts that we have, being the places that we've been, but He says, I'm still going to let that be the house of the Holy Ghost. How precious He is. And we still miss it sometimes, and He still lives there. He doesn't go away when we miss it. He's so precious. Well, it's time for the real church to stand up. Really, I say she never should have sat down. (laughs) Right? I don't know when she sat down, but she sat down. And she should have never sat down. When you see the heart of Jesus, and you can, especially through the Gospels, we see that his intention for the church was to never operate without supernatural power. And that's the title of today's message is, The Real Church is Supernatural. The real church is supernatural. She can't just be natural or she won't fulfill the mission that Jesus has for her. But he knew that the church would need supernatural power to accomplish his will on the earth. So hallelujah, he sent the Holy Ghost. And you know, and he's never changed his mind about this. He's never, ever changed his mind that the church needs supernatural power. And if you look through history, especially recent history within the last maybe 20 years, it it would seem, it would seem to our natural eyes that, Well, maybe God's changed his mind on the way he's doing things. And he doesn't need the supernatural anymore. He needs strategies and he needs growth programs and he needs activities and he needs this and that and everything, but not the supernatural. No, because, you know, we don't want to make people afraid, you know, and, you know, let's just, we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. So we dress this way or do that. Nope. God's never changed his mind. He said, they need the supernatural power to do what I need them to do. You know, if you look back at the ministry of Jesus, you can see that at work in his life and ministry. But I want you to go with me right now to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 13 through 19. I'm going to read it in two versions. The new King James and then uh, the Passion. Today I'm going to be using the Passion uh, frequently and I just want to say something. Brian Simmons is the man who wrote the the, the Passion Translation. I encourage you to get a copy of the Passion Translation. Here's why. There's an anointing upon him to translate and when you read it, it's like Jesus comes alive. I wept yesterday as I was reading a certain place because I saw Jesus. He just like came off those pages and just sat there with me at my table. And I just wept. So there's an anointing on him to write in such a way where it it comes alive and he becomes this person. And he's just not somebody that we read about. Who we know who he was, but there's there's an anointing upon him. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. So, let's read this. Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to read 13 through 19. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that the Son of Man is? So, they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I shall also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the Passion Translation. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who, who do they believe that I am? And they answered, Well. Some of them are convinced that you're John the baptizer. Others say that you're Elijah reincarnated or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But Jesus said, but I want to know who you think that I am. Who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. And Simon Peter spoke up and he said, Simon Peter, you're the anointed one, the son of the living God, Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you did not discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death, or the gates of hell, will not be able to overpower it. And I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. I think it's interesting that Peter's the only one that answered that question. The other disciples, they didn't answer. But they had walked with Jesus. Now, you know, at this point in Matthew 3, 13 the final years of Jesus. They're coming to an end. He's wrapping it up here And so it's funny. They've all walked with him. They've seen the same things. They've heard the same things But Peter's the only one that answered and he said you're 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 the Christ you're the you're the the almighty God You're the Messiah, but the other ones they didn't answer So You know, I thought that was very interesting that Peter maybe have given place to things of the spirit and the other ones didn't. Maybe he had a hunger. Maybe he was longing. Maybe there was something in Peter that wasn't in the others. I don't know. But I just thought it was interesting. But you know, Jesus wasn't saying he was going to build his church on Peter's reputation. He didn't say he was going to build it on Peter's name. The first church of Peter or Peter the Rock Church, or Peter the Rock Faith Church. He was saying, I'm going to build my church on this revelation knowledge. On the revelation knowledge of who I am and then what you can do through me. You know, he said that he was going to build his church or the ecclesia, That's the Greek word for church there. And it's interesting for Jesus to use this word. It was very significant. That word in Greek means legislative assembly or selected one. The term ecclesia was not a religious word but a political one. It was a word used in governmental and political settings. So for Jesus to use this word meant that he was giving the keys of supernatural governmental authority of his kingdom to the church. Now, who's the church? We are. are. So that we could operate legally. Remember, God is called the what? The righteous judge. God does things legally. God does things in an appropriate, orderly manner. That's right. And he does things legally. That's why when, you know, he gave Adam authority and dominion. And then Adam, we, we say, Adam committed treason. And so, he's not the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan. Satan. So... Even though God is supreme and he's all reigning and everything, he can't just come down and just do what he wants to who he wants when we pray and ask him to do this, right? Because when he gives his word, he, he, he can't go back on his word. He made something, it's done. Now the time is coming and he will take care of all that. But I want to get across to you that there is things that he imparted to you that are legal. He gave you legal authority to take dominion. So we can say, in the name of Jesus, you're not going to operate here. The spirit of strife, the spirit of divorce, sickness and disease, you get off my family. So there's things as the church, we have, you, you're the church, you have the authority, you have the legal right and responsibility To use your authority in your life, over your family, over your marriage, over your children, over your finances, over your business, over the job that you do have. Instead of sitting back being defeated, well, you know, it just is, it is what it is. I hate that saying, it is what it is. No, it isn't. I have the right to change that with my words right here. I can change that with what I'm saying. I can change the course of things with my mouth by my face. So it isn't what it is. Things are not as they appear to be. <laughs> Keep that in mind, people. Things they may look one way, but God is doing something. God is moving in this earth you got to see every chair filled in this building. This is good. I have a holy dissatisfaction. Amen. I have a righteous dissatisfaction that not every chair is filled. Amen. That we don't have enough children's workers. Yeah. That we're not having multiple services. I have a holy dissatisfaction because I know what God has called us to do. Pastor and I are standing, this will be filled multiple times, multiple services. Not every church is standing up in, 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 in this culture. We live in a cancel culture. But you know what? I'm canceling the devil. You you. We turn this thing around. We're canceling the plans of the enemy. Don't let the church be canceled. Don't let things... In your life, be canceled because of the culture. We got to rise above the culture. The church is not subservient to the culture. We are culture changers. Our culture has to mold itself, it has to conform. I have to conform to God's word. Praise God, I'm not angry. (laughs) I'm passionate and I'm intense about the things of God. We have the legal authority as individuals to bind the enemy. And we've got to use it. And we have a responsibility. Because when we do this as the church, we're the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ comes together, we're the army of God. We're the army of God. When the church comes together, we're the army of God. And there's nothing that will cause the church to fail or for her to accomplish her mission. That's what it says. The gates of hell. Okay, let's put it in everyday terms. The political people that are in a certain place right now, they can't stop the church. Right? The government can't stop the church. You're the church. It's it's our decision. It's your decision, and it's my decision. Am I going to do what's right? Am I going to be who God wants me to be? No matter who's saying what. Hallelujah. Jesus is the head of the church, and He's the builder of the church, and He builds with indestructive material. Ha, I like that. You are indestructive. You are. You're made out of indestructible material. He believes in you. I think it's amazing that we were born for such a time as this. You know, I was thinking about it, and I was, I imagine in, in, in Hebrews 12, where it talks about the cloud of witnesses, and I imagine certain people there, and my grandmother's one of them, and Mother Hagen's another one, and just ones that I, I've met through the years and I imagine them, they're there and they're going, come on girl, you can do this. Come on girl, you can do this. Come on. You got to imagine things sometimes. Helps you keep going. But Jesus was laying the foundation. To which the church was going to be built when he was talking to his disciples. He was building that foundation. Now the church wouldn't be born until Acts when they got filled with the Holy Spirit. But he was laying this foundational work for the church to be built upon. So that the disciples could move forward after he was gone. You know they had walked with Jesus for three years and they had seen his miracles. They had heard his teachings. They had experienced his love. What an amazing encounter they had with him isn't that yes. amazing when you yes. think about and you see jesus that that's kind of what i saw yesterday reading in this passion translation about jesus and i just stopped and i was thinking how blessed they were to be able to walk with him yeah. but you know what we can too that's
1: right yeah.
0: he can we can too when he looked forward he saw you yeah. he saw you david yeah. scott he saw you, and he said, you know, I have got to go. There's some things that I have to fulfill. My, my, my plan and purpose is not fulfilled until I give myself, because they need the, the blood. But he said, when I go, don't, don't worry. I'm going to leave you my peace, but I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. I have to go, but oh, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. what a blessing that is how precious that is because see Jesus could only walk at one place at a time he wasn't everywhere but now he's in every one of you he's in me and we can go all over the place and Jesus is there the Holy Spirit is there the presence of God is there you know you can worship anywhere if you got on a plane and you flew to Timbuktu you could worship there I don't even know if that's a real place. I think it's a real place. Isn't it a real place? It's in Africa. But you know what? You you could be dropped there and you could just worship. No matter what language they would be singing. You could just worship God and you're part of the church. And Jesus is there because he lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So in this chapter 13 of John, he's... Closing those three years of ministry. He's preparing them for his departure. And so if you'll just go there in your Bible. John chapter 13. And he begins to wash their feet. You guys know this. And so they're in the the upper room. Well, they're in the room at the Last Supper, which is also, they say it's the same as the upper room. They say it's the same place. But he got to Peter, and he begins to wash Peter's feet. And Peter goes, oh, Jesus, I can't let you wash my feet. After all, you're you're the Messiah. You're my Lord. I can't wash your feet. And Jesus tells him, Peter, hang on, man, you don't understand. If you don't allow me to wash your feet, you won't be able to share this life with me. And I'm not sure if Peter fully grasped the full meaning of all that, but he changed his mind. He goes, okay, Lord, I want all of you. I want to be in this life with you. So wash my head, wash my hands, wash all of me. Well, in Hebrew culture, sandals have a meaning of covenant of inheritances. So when they took off their sandals and Jesus began to wash their feet, he was saying to them, Take off the old, take off the dirty, take off the symbol of your self-labor, take off the symbol of yourself, and I want to exchange with you something new, something fresh, a clean inheritance. I want you to walk in my peace. I want you to walk in my power. So Jesus was setting them up to walk in the new covenant. A new way of thinking. He wanted them to be solid and sure so that when he was gone, they wouldn't stumble and fall. So that they would tap into the power of the Holy Spirit promised by the Father. He was setting up for the foundation of the church, the supernatural church. You know, Jesus was so precious, he even washed the betrayer's feet. He washed the nasty, stinking feet of Judas first, and then he betrayed him when they were taking the Last Supper. But you know, you can look back in the Old Testament and you can see about the sandals, remember? Did that sound familiar? Moses. God told Moses, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. That was Exodus 3, 5. In Joshua uh, 1, 3, God tells Joshua, Every place the sole of your foot walks, I have given you. So also, that's what Jesus was telling them. In this new covenant, everywhere you walk, I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you authority to take ground for me. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we move over to John chapter 14 through 16. And Jesus tells them that he's sending the Holy Spirit in his place. He's the spirit of what? Truth. You know, you can always trust the Holy Spirit. He will not tell you anything that the Father has not said. And that's what Jesus was telling the disciples. He said, you know, he does not speak on his own. He doesn't come up with his own opinions or his own ideas. He tells you exactly what he hears the Father say. And he goes on to describe some of the things that the Holy Spirit functions in. The counselor, the comforter, the advocate, the helper, the intercessor, the strengthener. You know, think about this. Jesus knew that there was no way that he could be with them for three years and then depart and that they would be okay. They would probably fall apart. (laughs) So he says, you guys really need the Holy Spirit. But I'm so glad because I do too. Jesus had a great impact on them, but he knew that they were going to need help. Jesus really wasn't thinking about those disciples. I kind of mentioned this before. But when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, I believe he saw you and I. It says that before he went to the cross, he saw He saw us. He saw what was ahead. He saw this day. He saw who would stand for him. He saw who was going to be strong for him. Praise the Lord. So let's move over to John chapter 15. This is the vine and the branches chapter. He's making a strong and driving home the concept that if you're not vitally connected to the vine, that you will be lifeless, you'll be fruitless, and you'll die, and there will be no power. You've got, we've got to be vitally connected to the vine. So I want to read John chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. This is the passion. I am a true sprouting vine. This is Jesus talking. And the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting up and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every, every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me. That's the key word, life union. For I remain in life union with you. So that's really important, that little phrase. He says, you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitful fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine i am the sprouting vine and you are my branches as you live in union with me as your source fruitfulness will stream from you but when you live separated from me you are powerless If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you live in life union with me and my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. And your lives bear abundant fruit. You demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my father. This is not about getting what you want. This is about living in life union with him so that I can have something to give somebody else. Because without that life union to the vine, me as a branch, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to offer. I've got to be vitally hooked to the source. And then there's the power. So. For this church to be supernatural, you've got to see that each one of you are a branch. Mom. You're a branch. This is a tree. Lifeway is a tree. God is the trunk. I wish that I had had some illustration. And I looked around my house and I really didn't have anything that was, I could bring. There's the trunk of the tree and that's God. God. And he goes down into the ground. Have you ever seen one of those huge live oak trees? They grow in the south? Well, they have these root systems, and they're, they just they're vast. They run deep and wide. And then it's got these branches. So in as, as large as it is overhanging as vast up here, it's kind of a picture of what's underneath the ground. Each one of us are a branch. And then off the branch, there's other things. So if I'm not vitally hooked to the source, I'm not getting nutrients. I'm not getting power. I'm not getting life. So I'm going to die. I'm going to wither. I'm going to fall. So lifeway is a tree. And each one of you are a branch. And you're hooked to God. And you are an extension of his power. You're an extension of peace. You're an extension. Whatever God is giving to you, you go yeah. give out to others.
1: Yeah. That's right.
0: Really and truly... The supernatural is to happen in services, absolutely. But the supernatural needs to happen when you go to work, when you go to the store, when you're buying groceries, when you're doing business out there in the world. That's when the supernatural needs to happen. A word of knowledge to somebody, a word of encouragement. That's the church being the church. We come in here and we encourage each other. It's good to see each other. We have corporate worship. We get these encouraging sermons. But then we got to go out there and we got to be the church. Because we all know what we know in here. But they don't know anything. They're the ones in need. They need a touch of God. They need the peace of God. I am so glad I'm born again. I wouldn't want to be in the world and not have the peace of God. 'Cause there's some there's some hell going on out there. People are just in they're in shambles. They have no peace. They have no faith. They have no trust. They they don't know. They don't know about tomorrow. You know, people are reckoning up and they're not sure. How many of you have ever been unsure in your life? It's not a good feeling. It's not a good place, is it? It's shaky ground. But we can be stable and we can be strong and we can be sure when you've got the spirit of God on the inside of you and it can look like it looks right now, but you know what? You're walking, you're like, God's going to take care of me. I don't know how, but God's going to take care of me because I'm doing what I'm obeying. There's a promise. The willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. There's so many promises. We've got to hang on to those. You can't pay attention to what's going on out there and let it rock your world. Hallelujah. But that life union with God is where the supernatural power is. That life union with Him, being connected with Him. You know, the Apostle Paul, he got it right. I think he, he really got it right. Uh, look over at Colossians chapter 1. And let's see. I'm going to read verses 26 through 29. I'm not going to be powerless. I'm going to, be, I'm going to stay hooked up to the source. Hooked up to the vine. I like that about the passion. It says, separated from me, you'll be powerless. But hooked up with me, you'll be powerful. But this is what, this is what Paul wrote in Colossians 1, 26 through 29. He says, there's a divine mystery, a secret surprise that's been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being, it's being revealed unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. So we don't, when God, people say to you, God, you know, God's a mystery. We just don't know. God is not a mystery. God's not hiding things from us. He doesn't play hide and seek. That game is not from God. He says, here am I. You call, I'll answer. You call, I'll come. Actually, he doesn't come. He's always there. <laughs> he doesn't go anywhere. So, this is but now it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience living within you. Get this. Living within you is the Christ. Who floods you with the expectation of glory. I want to back up to that word Christ. That's Jesus Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing that lives and abides in you. You're anointed. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah. That's why you've got to see, wherever you go, there's the anointing to change the situation. On, yes. Yes. Wherever you go, there's power to get an answer. Amen. I keep breaking up my verse. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope, filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. Okay, I got to stop. How many of you just saw a treasure chest when I read that? Some visuals. You are a treasure chest. (laughs) You open that chest, there's all kinds of things in there. Whatever you consider treasures. Diamonds and rubies and pearls and gold and silver and all kinds of valuables. That's what you are. Highly valuable to the Father. And you're filled with that. But really, it's not those stones. It's wisdom it's gifts it's things that people need and so when you go somewhere people are going to open that treasure box and there is the gift that is needed in the moment there's the power that's needed in the moment christ is our message we preach to awaken the hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth It has become my inspiration and passion and ministry to labor with a tireless intensity. That's me. With his power flowing through me to present everyone, to every believer, the revelation of his perfect one in Christ. But I circled his power flowing through me. It's his power flowing through you. Hallelujah. So, he knew that the power of Jesus working through him, he needed that power to get anything done. It's not secret. It's not hidden anymore. It's the power of God working through you and I. And we've got to have it. So, now go over a few pages and go to Ephesians chapter 3, 16 and 17. This is so good. Ephesians 3, 16 through 17. This is Paul again, and this is one of the um, his prayers that he prays, that we should pray for ourselves. He says, and I pray that he, Jesus, would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. By uh, then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. Again, Christ, Jesus Christ, the anointed one in his anointing is in you. Hallelujah. And that resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. We know that God is love. And we have to have love to move out and do everything. It's from that love, it's from that compassion that we move out and we're willing to speak to those that are out in the world. It's that love that moves us to not be afraid. It's that love that moves out and will take your mask down or not wear it at all. And speak to people. Yes. Do you guys realize? If you don't, I'm going to tell you. There's a the ploy of the enemy to keep your mouth shut. There's a the ploy of the enemy to keep the church quiet. And that thing is one of them. I'm not going to be quiet. God is counting on you not to be quiet. He needs your face. He doesn't need it covered. He needs your smile. He needs you to speak. He doesn't need it covered. It's a, it's a ploy of the enemy. Just, just keep that in mind, okay? You can, you can weigh that out in balance. You, you, can, you can bring balance to that in your own life. But I'm just telling you, there's something behind it, okay? There's an enemy here that caused all this in the first place, okay? That's what I want you to see. There's an enemy behind this whole thing that happened a year ago. And so that's where we have to be strong, we have to say no. And it takes that supernatural strength to say no. Because we can't in our own power, okay? It's in our relationship with Him. It's in knowing Him. It's being vitally connected to Him that the unlimited supply and that that's downloaded into our life. It's transforming. It's supernatural. We receive our daily portion of that life power when we're with Him. And like I said earlier, it's, it's not all about us. You know, Paul is praying here for the believers to be deeply rooted and founded in God. This implies that we could be rooted in other things. Being rooted in Christ doesn't just happen by default when we get born again. Or even filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not automatically just, okay, I'm rooted in Christ. I'm strong. This is a journey. It's a daily thing. You know, you don't just, if you go buy a tree and you want to plant it in the ground, you don't just set it there. Right? You got to dig. You got to dig, dig, dig. You got to dig a deep hole. That's
1: right. Yeah.
0: Well, it's the same with us. We're not just rooted. Just because we get born again, it's a process. We have to study. We have to spend time with him. Just talk to him. Well, what do you think about this, Lord? Well, what would you have me to do? Just sit in a chair and just talk to him like you talk to your friend or your spouse. Well, what do you think about it? Now, you might have to sit there for a little while. And you might have to just turn everything off, turn the music off, turn your phone off, turn the computer off, and just sit there and listen. And it may be a few minutes, it it may be an hour, but he'll answer. He's right there. So let's ask ourselves the question, are we vitally connected to him? Are we deeply rooted into him? I want to read this to you. This is Colossians chapter 2. Sorry, we're going back and forth. Colossians and Ephesians. But these are so good. This is chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. In the same way that you receive Jesus, our Lord, and the Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith progressing further into your union with him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with power and strength, encouraged in every way, for you are are established in the faith and you have absorbed and you are being enriched by your devotion to him. You know, the supernatural will not be in, in operation in our, in our lives with knowledge alone. You know, sometimes we, we get all caught up in, I know so much of the word. I can quote so much of the word. I just know the word. And we listen to preachers and we listen. But that doesn't take the place of having a relationship with Jesus. I could say it like this, that um, the level of supernatural is a result of the level of relationship connection that we have with him. It's not so much about knowing the word, but it's about that relationship. You know, even the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they knew the scriptures. I mean, they could quote the law. Right? I mean, they even quoted it to Jesus, the word who was made flesh. But they didn't want to get to know him. That was the thing. I want to show you this. You don't have to turn there if you want to mark it down in your notes. This is John chapter 5, uh, 39 through 44. But I want to show you that. Let me get over there really quick. I like to turn the pages and read it from my Bible. It takes a little bit longer, so thank you for being patient. Because too many times I've typed it on my notes, and I've typed it wrong. But I just like the feel of the word. Plus, you know how you write notes in there. So, okay, so this is John 5, 39 through 44. It says, This is Jesus, and he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you're busy analyzing the scriptures pouring over them hoping to gain eternal life everything you read points to me yet you still refuse refuse so there's a choice they've made refuse to come to me so that i can give you the life you're looking for eternal life i do not accept the honor that comes from men For I know what kind of people you really are, and I can see that the love of God has found no home in you. I have come to represent my Father, yet you refuse to embrace me in faith. If someone comes in their own name and with their own agenda, you readily accept him. Of course, you're unable to believe in me, for you live to enjoy the praises of others and not the praise that comes from, from the one true God. So even they knew the scriptures. But they had no relationship with Jesus. So they had no power. Plus they didn't believe that he was who he said he was. Right? So a relationship with Jesus can never be replaced with a vast knowledge of the Bible. So, as I was thinking through this, I asked myself these questions. So, I'm going to ask you these questions. Do we think that we're supernatural by the amount of scriptures that we know? Do we think that we're so spiritual because we can just quote the Bible? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves. I'm a believer in personal inventory. Do we think that we're supernatural because we have received the accolades of men? Do we think we're spiritual because people think we're spiritual? (laughs) Oh, you're so spiritual. You just knew right what to pray. You just knew right what to say. I must be spiritual. (laughs) Or... Am I really, do I know Jesus? Is, is he my friend? Do I talk to him? Do I, do I just sit down and just, what do you think, Lord? I mean, I just don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, what do you have to say about it? You don't have to turn there, but in Colossians 3 verse 2, Paul talks about, he says, fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not solely with the distractions of the natural realm. It's, it's that same scripture, set your affections on the things above. So we could say this, the amount of supernatural power that we have manifested in our lives is a direct result of where our affections are placed. So where are my affections placed? Well, obviously they're placed on my family, my spouse, but but where else are they placed? Do I need to make some rearrangements? Do I need to take some things off? Where are my affections? This is about being supernatural. Remember, let's go back to what we're talking about. We're talking about being supernatural. God needs us to be supernatural in these days. He needs the church to be supernatural. So i got to do some inventory. What am I hooked up to? What What am I attached to? And what's attached to me? What am I hooked up to? Am I hooked up to the source that's going to give me that power? That's going to give me that peace that I can give out? I'm a branch, but I've got extensions. And I need to be extending Peace. And joy and prayers that heal. I, I need this supernatural working in me so that I can go to somebody, lay hands on them, and they're healed. Amen. That's
1: right.
0: You guys, there's so many sick people out there today. My heart's desire is, and I know this is lofty, and I don't mean it to be lofty, but it's my heart, okay? Yeah. Understand it's my heart. I don't want my shadow to fall on someone to be healed. Only because there's so many hurting people. You go and you just see there's just hopelessness in their eyes. There's depression. You see them yell at their kids. The world is lost. They have no hope. There are Christians. There are Christians that are sick. There's Christians that have no hope. They're trusting in the government. The government isn't your source. It's not my source. God is our source. I can't hook myself up to the government and be powerful. I've got to hook myself up to God, and then God is going to take care of me. You've got to be hooked up to God, and God's going to take care of you and everything that concerns you. He will bring to pass. He will complete That's what his word says. Psalms 137, 7 and 8. Psalms 52. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. I'm trying to see the time. So to be truly supernatural, we've gotta be vitally connected to the power source. How do you know that you're vitally connected? How do you know? Honey, could you come up and help me please? Okay, so you're God. So if I'm walking with the Lord I'm going to I'm going to do what he does. I'm going to see what he sees. I'm going to go where he goes. If he points to something I'm going to pay attention to that. If he says something, (laughs) I'm going to agree with him. I'm going to heed. I'm going to listen. But I'm going to walk close with him. And, I'm gonna see, and what's going to happen is I'm, it's going to rub off on me. I'm going to do things the way he does. I'm going to see things the way he sees. I'm going to become more like him. You see what I'm saying? When you walk with someone close, then you get to know what they know. You get to know that person in a more intimate way when you walk with them on a daily basis. And then even more frequently, on an hourly basis. Or minute to minute. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Lord Bruce. So walking with him. You know, um, I wrote down, God wants to deal with his people in everyday situations in a supernatural way. Meaning that you and I don't solely rely on our intellect and our ability for things to transpire and take place we do our part and then we rely on the supernatural ability that gives us what we lack you know a lot of times we've had projects around the church and last year during the time when we were had no people in the building we took out the ceiling and we were doing all this electrical work and So Michael was working so hard and so diligently. I was helping him and we were pulling wires and looking at the breakers and just doing these different things. And there was one thing that he ran into and he was stumped. I mean, he was, he just, I mean, we were hitting a brick wall. And I said, we need to pray. Let's just pray. So we prayed. And the answer didn't come immediately. It didn't come for a couple of days. But I kept praying for him because I knew that the Lord was going to show him because I don't understand all that stuff. I can pray. <laughs> but I knew that the Lord wasn't going to necessarily reveal it to me. But there is one time that I said, well, have you done blah, blah, blah? So there's a couple of different times that, we, that we've we we've just stopped and prayed and it's taken a few days to get the answer there was one time that that anyway the first thing we prayed and a couple of days later he said i just thought to do this and he did it and that was it then there was one time we prayed and i was like well what about that and i suggested it to him and that was it so i know that those are real simple everyday things but that's just it god wants to help in the everyday God isn't just a supernatural on Sunday. He isn't just a supernatural when we come to church. That's great and wonderful, but really we're just it's we're self benefiting here. God needs us to be supernatural out there in the world. He needs us to be supernatural in everyday life where other people can benefit from it. So when you run into a brick wall. You just ask the Lord, no matter how silly it may be, no matter how simple it may be, it may be something in your house. This isn't working. You're trying to hook up a dryer or hook up a, I don't know, build something or. The Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom. He'll give you the answer. He's so amazing like that. So, I'm going to close with this. We are supposed to affect the culture. We're not to be a culture driven church. We have a kingdom culture. We are to have an effect on the culture. So, we have to shift our thinking. We've got to change our thinking. That's why you can't just buy everything that they they tell you. You can't just believe everything that they tell you because things aren't... They're not as they really appear. There's, there's an agenda. It's called the devil. He wants to take out the church. He wants to steal the voice of the church. He wants to steal the power of the church. So it's going to take believers like you and I that stand up and say, no, we're not just going to believe everything you're going to tell us. I'm going to the word and we're going to get discernment. And he's going to lead us and he's going to guide us on the things that we need to do and the things that we don't need to do. Okay? So, in Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2, this is a message version. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life. That sounds like that's just normal everyday stuff, right? And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit right in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God, God is an inside-out God. God's not outside-in. He's inside-out. That's why we've got to be vitally connected to Him, and then we live from the inside-out. If it's from the outside-in, then it's inward, and it's not affecting anybody. It's not affecting anything. I'm only the one that benefits But this thing isn't about just you. It's not just about me. It's about the society around us. The Passion Translation says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. A total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect and his eyes. So are you ready to be even more supernatural than you have been? Are you ready to be more powerful? Are you ready? God's ready. It's past time. God needs you. He's got assignments for you to fulfill that only you can fulfill. Jesus wants to make himself real to you. You know, there are real relationships that you have with people and they're very dear and they're very precious. Jesus wants to be like that with you. In Luke chapter 24, you don't have to turn there. But this was after Jesus had died, and he had shown himself to his disciples several times. And this was the last time that he manifested himself before he went to heaven. And he was talking with them and they handed him a piece of fish and the disciples were like they were amazed and I thought Lord how how sweet of you just to go and you didn't have to do that I mean you could have been all supernatural I'm Jesus I'm risen from the dead I'm the all-powerful I don't eat anymore I don't need meat anymore <laughs> but he didn't he was personal and he ate fish with them and then in verse 45 he says he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures And then Jesus led his disciples out to Bethany. He lifted his hands over them and he blessed them in his love. While he was still speaking words of love and blessing, he floated off the ground into the sky. But I thought that was so precious he ate with them to show them that he was still personal he had risen he had conquered death he had spoiled principalities he had conquered death in the grave but yet he still came and he ate with them and then he blessed them and he loved on them and he said I want you to go and I want you to tell the world about me preach it to the uttermost ends of the earth. You're going to cast out devils. You're going to lay hands on the sick. You're going to speak with new tongues. You've got power. I'm giving you my glory. And then he left. But I was so moved by that because I saw He wanted to be real with them. And that's the way he wants to be with you. And from that real personal comes power. It seems seems almost so innocent and pure that there's not a lot of power. Sometimes we think innocent and pure is not very powerful, but that's not true. in that simplicity is such power. In that pureness is such power. So Father, I just thank you that we can understand how close you wanna be with us and that that would cause us to desire you so much that we would be vitally connected our life union would be with you Lord so that we can be that supernatural church because in that vital life union power comes the boldness that we need to have it comes the power and it comes the courage thank you Lord Do you see that it's in, it's in that connection that the courage comes, that the boldness comes. We can be bold in ourselves. We can be bold in ourselves. We can be strong in ourselves, but is it anointed? Is it anointed to destroy the yoke or am I just? Am I just saying it because I'm just a bold, brassy person? Because I'm just that way. Or is my boldness coming from my connection so when I speak or I move or I do that it's got the anointing on it and it will break the yoke, it will destroy the yoke, it will heal the person, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the healed will get up. No more cancer. hallelujah thank you lord oh how we want to be vitally connected with you lord that is our heart's desire just like paul prayed i want to know you intimately more deeply i don't want to ever be disconnected from you father and we thank you lord i thank you lord that is these precious ones, your church. They go from here today, Lord. I thank you for an impartation of power that's in them that will come forth from their life union in you, Lord, that we can be the church in our sphere of influence. We just worship you. We just worship you, Lord. You're so good. You're so faithful.